live from Tel Aviv, two nice Jewish boys. Hi, I'm Noor Menninger. And I'm Eitan Weinstein. Israel's relationship with Germany has had its fair share of ups and downs. From the first relations in the 50s to the establishment of full diplomatic ties with the reunited Germany in the 1990s. It seems that regardless of the horrific past, these two nations' fates are bound together. The question of Germany's place in modern Israel arose again in recent years, as what seemed to be a wave of young Israelis decided to immigrate to Berlin, the former capital of the Nazi Third Reich. Social media channels here in Israel were flooded with endless discussions. Are these young Israelis traitors or heroes? Eldad Beck, our guest today, has been serving for 20 years as a correspondent in Germany for Yediot Achronot, Israel's leading newspaper. Eldad devoted the past few decades to uh, studying and researching Germany and German society. He's the author of Germany at Odds, published in 2014, and he recently released his new book about Angela Merkel, titled The Chancellor. This podcast is made in cooperation with the Jewish Journal, www.jewishjournal.com, your best source for Jewish news on the web. Check out Daniel Barron's latest column titled, He's Not All Bad, A Democrat Defends Trump. Also in cooperation with Secret Tel Aviv, Israel's largest online social network community in English. Just look for the group on Facebook or visit them at secrettelaviv.com. Subscribe to Two Nice Jewish Boys on iTunes. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to rate us. Hello and Dad. Hi, good evening. Welcome to Israel again. Um, so I was wondering, is Germany an anti-Semitic state? Are the German people anti-Semitic? Um, well, let's start with something completely different. Um, Closer when, to the mic, please. Just adjust when, it. When we are talking, uh, I, I'm not so sure that we should talk about Germany mm-hmm. as one entity. And this is what I'm uh, explaining in my uh, book, Germany at Odds. I think that, um, th- well, th- there is a state called Germany. But um, it's um, combined of um, many subcultures, um, many different um, dialects. And, um, you know, we, we tend to say that there are the West Germans and the East Germans, and we completely forget that there are the South Germans, Catholic and uh, very conservative, and there are the North Germans, which are Protestant and extremely uh, liberal. And um, they somehow found themselves uh, themselves together, but they don't feel very at ease when you talk to them. You know, somebody from Berlin doesn't want to be uh, compared to somebody coming from uh, Bavaria and the other way around. And that is because... Uh, because of the um, the local pride, local patriotism, and because of the history that uh, um, wanted each part of Germany to develop in a very different way, um, and this goes back to your question, I I I I cannot um, talk about Germany as a whole or the Germans as being anti-Semitic. Um, despite the fact that there is a problem of anti-Semitism in Germany that we cannot deny. Um, Look, and I'm talking about it uh, in my book, Germany at Odds, 1943, spring 1943, the uh, Nazi Reich is already losing the war after Stalingrad, and the uh, regime is dealing with everybody that dares to stand up and to say that uh, the Nazis should go uh, away in a very harsh way. And in these circumstances, a group of women married to Jews in Berlin, in the heart of Berlin, after their uh, spouses and children were arrested in order to be deported to the uh, camps, they stand up once again, I repeat, in the middle of Berlin, the capital of the Reich, and they demonstrate in uh, and demand that their uh, families would be released. And believe it or not, instead of the regime taking all these women and shooting them down, the regime gives in 
and the people are being uh, released. Because they took a certain pride in already having cleansed Germany, right? And they because wanted to, the they didn't time, want to admit. Because at the time, Berlin mm-hmm. was <laughs> supposed to be already uh, Clean. ethnically cleaned yeah. from the Jews. And, and you write about this in your book, your... your Grandmother, great grandmother, was it? Was actually part of this? No, um, my great uh, great uh, great uh, cousin. cousin. He was he yeah. was uh, he was there, and uh, actually, I I didn't I I um, I didn't know that he exists at all. It's uh-huh. the, the the my father's family is coming from Austria, and my uh, grandparents uh, managed to leave Europe for different reasons uh, before the war started. And um, we knew to a certain extent that uh, we have, we had family in Austria and probably also in Germany, but we never had any contact with them. Um, And uh, as many other families, we never discussed those things. Mm -hmm. And um, all of a sudden, after the uh, Berlin Wall falls down in uh, 1989, some years afterwards, um, we get a letter from the Jewish agency and they introduce to us somebody that claims to be a uh, cousin of my father. And uh, indeed he was. He and all his family uh, survived the war in Germany. You you know, you, you can't really believe it, but they, they all because the mother was non-Jewish, mm. but the father was Jewish, and the, the kids... And you were sure everyone is dead. We, we, we knew that there was some, some relatives in East Germany, and once again, there were no contacts between Israel and East Germany, and I, at a certain point, had tried to locate them, and I failed, because the, the uncle of my father uh, already uh, was dead. And then I, I gave I gave up uh, my mm-hmm. research, and uh, so that was the first time that we had contact with the Beck family that survived the war in Germany itself, and then some years afterwards I was in Vienna and I was invited by uh, a friend to the premiere, the first screening of uh, uh, the film Paragraph 175, if I'm not wrong, about the persecution of gays in Nazi Germany. And um, one of the persons who participated in this uh, film uh, was named Gad Beck. But Beck, you know, is a, like a Levy and Cohen here in Israel. It's a very common family name in the German-speaking countries. Meaning, by the way? Um, we are not sure. Um, um, if uh, it's probably has to do with bake, mm-hmm. bakery. Baker. But uh, the, um, there is also a Jewish version, meaning that it's the abbreviation of Ben Kadosh. Mm. And okay. since the family of my father um, at the origins was a very uh, religious family, it might be that that is the... Uh, but we, we are not sure. So you but saw let the me, name? Let, let, yeah, yes. I, we, we saw this person. And I... I and then in the middle of the film, talking about gays being persecuted by the Nazis, this person sits on the sofa uh, in, uh, his, uh, at his home in, in Berlin, and he brings up a picture, and he says, and this is my family from Vienna. And I was clued to my seat, because the picture that he was showing was one of the pictures that the cousin of my uh, father, who discovered us after the fall of the wall, sent us. And that was the same family. And all of a sudden, you know, you, uh, you sit in, and uh, next to me the, the, the sat a, uh, a friend who, who was an Israeli diplomat. And, uh, I, you know, I grasped his hand and I told him, I can't believe it, this is my family. And he said, oh, come on. Don't be dramatic. <laughs> and, uh, I want to say it's straight out of a movie, but it literally was straight it, out of a movie. Absolutely. absolutely. That's, that's, that's a life-changing event. Unbelievable. It, it is. And this is actually one, one of the, the events that brought me later on to, uh, to, Germany? to, Ber- to Berlin. So, okay, to so let's, let's get to that, really. So you live in Germany. I do. Uh, in Berlin. Indeed. And I'm wondering Why? Why are you living there? Why? Well, how did you get there? 
I I went there because because I think that Germany is for many of us, Israelis and Jews, um, a big mystery. Um, I I personally had the need to understand how come such a nation, how come such a culture, uh, brings itself itself to such a low, such a uh, such a barbaric uh, 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 crime. Um, This is something that is so, um, you know, it's difficult to understand, you know, with all the things that they have given the the humanity, how come they have fallen that low? And how come they have done all this? You know, it's not just that they um, murdered in a very industrial way uh, the Jews. It was. It was. It was um, accompanied with a he- horrible, horrific barbarity. You know all the stories that you hear about about how they they uh, treated and tortured everybody there. You know, really treating the Jews as 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 the lowest animals uh, possible. Um, and I needed to go there to find out first. Um, what, 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 because how come? I, I, I wonder if, uh, for me, it always seemed like a big question mark. You know, you, we know this this uh, this fact, this dark stain in Germany's past that you know happened for twelve years, and it did always. I mean, I never delved into it quite like you, but it always did seem to me like a question. You know, that something like that doesn't just disappear. I mean, there's a whole infrastructure there for that for something like that to happen. Not just literal infrastructure, Absolutely. but a certain complicit nature of the Oh, of maybe the in the end of the day, just as, even those 12 years are only a symptom. This is the point. I mean, it's not only that it hasn't disappeared. It's that it hasn't started, it hasn't started of nothing. And uh, the tendency that I have uh, observed in Germany to treat the Nazi time, the Nazi period, these 12 years from 33 to 45, as a, an historical accident, something that, um, you know, all of a sudden came, I don't know, creatures from Deus above, ex machina. took over Germany, you know, from Austria, <laughs> uh, took over Germany, and until today you hear too many German politicians say committed crimes in the name of the Germans. Mm-hmm. Now, and against what, their will. What does it mean, committed crimes? In, they, they've stolen the name of the Germans, they've done something wrong, and then they've given the Germans back their names so that the Germans would have to pay for something that they haven't done, which is completely, you know, rewriting Ludicrous. the history. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and there are very, very few Germans. And by the way, the Chancellor, uh, the Chancellor Angela Merkel, um, uh, this is something that I uh, insist on in my book. She made a whole development at the beginning. She used to speak like that, but nowadays she says very, very, very clearly the crimes that we Germans have done. Aha! Uh-huh. And you- this is a, a a development that is extremely important, but unfortunately, it doesn't represent much. It doesn't represent point- the vision. Can you point to a shift when it happened to her, like a point in time when that shift occurred and why? You know, I think that uh, Angela Merkel is a... um, She has this nature of being able to learn. And she is not stuck to ideas that she perceived at a certain point and uh, she keeps on... If something is being explained to her in a convincing way, she immediately sees it. She immediately understands it, and she reacts to it. I mean, this is this is her um, uh, academic uh, side. Yes, because she's um, a doctor for chemistry, for uh, physics. Physics, sorry, Phys- yeah. uh, for physical, uh, how they, uh, chemical physics. physics. Yes. And um, it's all the same to us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we started. I film. couldn't agree more. But uh, but this is this is this is her way. And I believe that at a certain point, uh, somebody told her uh, that uh, you know one should stop talking about crimes 
committed in the name of the Germans and take responsibility for what uh, what was done. And uh, Angela Merkel, uh, and this is something that has to be said, from the very beginning of her uh, chancellorship, she kept on saying the whole time, um, words are important, but uh, deeds have to follow words. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe that the whole um decision that she took with the uh, refugees and the illegal immigrants uh, about two years ago uh, should also be seen not only but should also be seen as um, practicing this idea that words should be followed by deeds yeah um you know I share this obsession I guess with you uh, I don't know if you call it obsession but this fascination okay but Germany curiosity curiosity uh, all my films deal with the Holocaust in one way or another and I go there often and I I remember one of the things that amazed me uh, I was amazed to discover I was there in 2014 during uh, the World Cup or the Euro Cup when they won it was the Euro, Euro Cup. Cup. Wait a minute. 2000. No, the, it was the World, no, no, World, World, Cup World Cup versus yeah, yeah, Brazil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They lost. And God, time flies. Sorry? When they lost 7-1 to Brazil. They won 7-1. They won. Oh, they, they won. won. Sorry. Yeah. When they won so, 7-1 yeah, and, to Brazil. And then it was explained to me, I couldn't believe it, that the only time when a German is allowed to express him being proud for being German, yeah, Germany is allowed to be proud of being German during soccer matches. That is when it's legitimate to hang the flag outside, to say Germany, 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 etc., etc. In all other times, it is forbidden. It is uh, no, it's, 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 it was a taboo. It, it was not forbidden. It was something that uh, people felt very uneasy with. Exactly. And I could, I could uh, experience the uh, change that uh, happened in this regard. There's a whole chapter in my book, in my book Germany at Odds, about the uh, football patriotism. And um, when I came to Germany 2002, uh, there was the, uh, gosh, I don't remember, I think it was also the World Cup uh, or Europe Cup or something like that. You closer to the mic. And, yeah, just take um, it to you if you uh, want. And, um, um, and then you had the very start of Germans daring... Sorry. To um, to wave German flags in the streets, because, but it but was it ex- was done very very shamefully, still shamefully. There were more Turkish immigrants waving German flags mm-hmm. at the time than German waving German flags. But it be- was still something that was a taboo because they re- they react because their reaction to uh, what happened in the war was to um, regress. Any aspect of nationalism, Absolutely. repress, Absolutely. repress, yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah, yeah. repress it, yeah. and bury it deep. But isn't yeah. that as dangerous as uh, well, being extra nationalist? You know what I'm saying? There was a whole debate that started after this. Uh, <clears throat> the the they call it the flag debate um, because of the football uh, phenomenon. And um, there were many people who were saying that uh, it's about time, you know, 60, 70 years after World War II, that uh, young Germans would develop uh, a healthy attitude to uh, patriotism. Now, patriotism is not necessarily uh, nationalism, and even nationalism is not uh, Nazism. Um, But you could see in recent years a very clear development in this sense to the point that um, nowadays it's it's not a taboo anymore. Really? Uh, Within they, two or three no, years, yeah, it's, it's in, it changed. Uh, as I said, it all started in 2002. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, especially when they won the last uh, uh, World Cup, mm-hmm. it was absolutely no issue. I mean, everybody uh-huh. was waving. And we are getting to a situation where you have more and more um, German flags in political events. Is it mainly. bad, though, in your opinion? Because isn't it important? It, it depends. It depends. I mean, Listen, I'm, we're I, all I national. Consider, I, I consider myself as a patriot, and therefore I do not. Um, I, I do not. Uh, I, I cannot consider patriotism of other patriots as exactly. something bad, as long 
as it remains patriotism, which means national pride, not at the expenses of other of nations. Yeah. Um, it becomes problematic when you see that groups of radical right-wing parties are using um, the German flag in order to promote um, Nazi ideology right. or ideology close to the Nazi ideas. And um, because the debate in Germany was not really let's put it uh, this way, uh, on the... the, the, the obviously, there were intellectuals who, were, who knew exactly what they were talking about, mm -hmm. but it did not go to the, to the simple people in the street. Right. And, um, and something that we must understand mic. about Germany is that when they lose the war in 1945, Germany mm -hmm. becomes an occupied country occupied by the Russians in the East, in the East and by the Americans, French and British in the West. And they most of the Germans felt that they have they had to accept dictates from the occupying powers that told them how they have to think and what they have to say and how they should see their history. Mm -hmm. It was not something that was coming by most of the Germans. I'm not. But talking isn't that about a common thread through? I mean, uh, after World War One, that was also an issue in Germany that they felt like they were, you know, being sort of their their forced. country was being forced Absolutely. to do pay these reparations. And and, and, and what they say is that uh, you know the, the the winners write history. Uh -huh. This is yeah. what they say, and this is an extremely problematic uh, point because. Mm -hmm. Most of the work that was done in Germany regarding the Holocaust and the uh, the crimes committed committed against Jews and others were not really worked out by the German society, by the global German society, because most of them said, "Oh, this is something that we have to do," right, and not something that we must understand so that we would have a better future. You have a lot of politicians saying the right things, but not really meaning it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you have, you know, most of us are, are are quite sure that the Holocaust is being taught in German schools. Yeah. And then you go to German schools and you find out that it's not the case. That was one thing that really surprised me in the book, is to find out that it's not compulsory in the German educational law. You have it in nowadays. Nowadays, and this is also a change that was pushed by uh, yeah. the government of uh, Chancellor Merkel. Nowadays, you have uh, the, the, the Holocaust theme in most, in the curricula of most of the Länder, of most of the provincial uh, states in Germany, not mm -hmm. in all of them. However, the fact that it's in the curriculum doesn't mean that they necessarily learn it. And obviously now when you have so many Muslims, uh, it's even more sensitive. And, and most teachers would rather... No deal with it. It, 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 it. I mean, it surprises. It surprised me to learn that because in the states, I mean, we grew up with Black History Month, which was a whole month dedicated to African American history, in which we learned about slavery and the civil rights movement and so on and so forth. And so I wonder if it's just a but matter. You were of, in the south. And I, what and did I, you no, learn about and slavery? I was in the south. We need to bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> no, but and I was in the south. Like I, being in the south, we even learned that. Okay. So I, I I wonder um, if it's just a matter of time, if, you know, if after, if we're in a process of Germany, learn, or if Germany has this especially repressive nature, speaking, you know, about the taboo of nationalism, if they're any different than any other country that's committed a horror, because, you know. There are two things that I'd like to say uh, um, in regards to what you've just uh, mentioned. First of all, um, the uh, Afro-American community is much, much bigger than the uh, Jewish community left in Germany, and they are much more present and the political uh, power. And Let's they not have a political and cultural and uh, you know uh, numerical power that um, makes America or uh, makes America need such a month 
and I think that it's a very good thing that they do it. By the way, I, is, there just, a, is there a We Killed All the Indians month? No, but they actually do pay reparations to okay. Native Americans. And secondly, um, in com- compare, comparing Germany with other European countries, uh, obviously it was very easy for other Europeans to say, oh, the Germans have done it, and uh, not to deal with their own responsibility for... Uh, for col- collaborating with the Nazis and uh, you know uh, doing what was uh, done exterminating the Jews um, however one cannot take uh, from the Germans the fact that they have they were the masters of this oper- extermination operation so uh, even even if we should talk more about the collaboration of other Europeans mm-hmm. um, they're they're There was a reason why all this happened when Germany took over uh, Europe. Yeah. So, okay, let's discuss a little bit about Germany at odds. By the way, it's available in English and uh, Kindle, for Kindle. Absolutely. Uh, Amazon, you can buy it. Amazon, you can buy it. Highly recommended. And um, I'm wondering, what were you trying to achieve with writing this book? I was trying to describe Germany the way... I mean... I, I told you that I came to Germany because I was very uh, intrigued by um, this mystery of how come those things happened there. And um, the experiences that I um, went through in the years that I've been in Germany uh, taught me quite a lot about uh, why those things happened and mainly about the gap between what we know or think we know about Germany And what I see as the German reality and it starts in small things like um, you know we are all uh, sure that the Germans are extremely punctual and correct and stuff efficient. like efficient efficient and um, when you live in Germany uh, your day-to-day experience is completely completely different than this idea how um, so? I'll just give you I mean think about uh, ordering a uh, telephone line or uh, internet service I mean it's 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 a via dolorosa to get those things. okay and um, more think, so than Israel <laughs> much more so I think really? that Israel is extremely is extremely developed in wow. in compared to uh, to To Germany think about the um, the in the new international airport of Berlin which was supposed to be opened in June 2012 uh-huh and nowadays we hope that it might be opened eventually in 2018 which means there were six years in in delay yeah and, they'll, they'll, and they'll every every day of this delay costs the German taxpayers one million dollars Euros it's, it's wow. sums that you cannot even imagine and all why, why is all that because they have built an airport and a week before it was open they have discovered that um, well the security measures are completely uh, out of order so you cannot <laughs> open the, uh, the airport yeah. and it goes on and on and so on there, there is so a many... certain German element to that in the sense that they, they abide by rules and regulations and they're very much in line you know. Um, I see your point but um, I mean you, you don't you don't um, find out about the rules and regulations in the very last moment a week yeah. before you open an, an airport yeah, so yeah. Back you to really the, have to back go to the book then you were trying to to show what to the reader I, I was trying to show that the uh, uh, and I think that I've succeeded because the reactions of those who read the book are amazing and Um, um, I, I was trying to um, make people understand how complex the German reality is and how different it is from what we think about it. I think that uh, it's bad for Germany, for example, that uh, people would uh, think that Germany dealt with its past and because it's dealt with its past, it can uh, teach other nations what they have to do, especially Israel, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and or America nowadays um, I, I just I, I, I really don't think that they have uh, that they have uh, deeply thoroughly seriously dealt with uh, whatever happened to them um, and um, Merkel says it's very very clearly and this is the point where I really admire her for her courage she says 
without acknowledging our past, we have no future. And this is exactly what I wrote in my book, Germany at Odds. Maybe she read it. I don't think so. I think <laughs> that she, she just understood the message. Right. Um, you did meet her, though. I met her twice, but um, I, I doubt that she had the time. You know, yeah, yeah. E ever since she became chancellor in 2005, she was amazingly um, overwhelmed with um, so many problems and crises. It's, yes. it's unbelievable. She just went from one crisis to another. And um, I, I really, uh, you know, with, with all the critic that you might have towards the way that the Germans uh, dealt with the so-called um, refugee uh, crisis, um, I think that uh, her way of dealing with all those problems and not just saying, guys, uh, after 12 years, I'm fed up, I go home... It's quite remarkable. Really? Don't you think like she, that Germany is doomed now after her decision regarding refugees? We are talking about, let's remind our audience, 1 million 2016 and so, to estimates more than 1 million 2017. Yeah. Well, you, you, and we don't know... All the turmoil in the Middle East from the Syrian refugee yeah. crisis. Well, most to, of them were not Syrians. Most of them were not Iraqis. And most we don't know who they are. Other like, places. It's we don't know where they are. Most of them disappeared. Uh, it was very, it's a very, very different refugee crisis. And they uh, were all, like but, scattered throughout but, Germany in but, little villages, little cities. Yeah, yeah. They, they were already in Europe when Angela Merkel uh, takes the decision. It's not that they have come out of space. They were sitting in the heart of Europe. They were sitting in, in Greece. They were sitting in, in, in uh, Hungary. Um, and uh, you could not, the, the, un, the other possibility would have been uh, to start shooting at them or, uh, you know, you, you must understand that uh, the Germans are still very sensitive to certain things like the word selection. Yeah. Um, or you know, concentration. Reminds, yeah. So uh, they were not able to uh, start a selection uh, centers for uh, those coming in to see if they're really refugees or uh, taking advantage of the situation in order to get into Germany. Um, so they should have done it in a very... In, 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 and this is, by the way, another example of what we've just spoken about. We've spoken about the efficiency of the German... Uh, the so-called efficiency of the Germans. Uh, the way that they, they dealt with this crisis shows that they're absolutely not efficient. And the, the problems that we have with uh, all these dialogues uh, uh, ISIS uh, uh, infiltrators that went into Europe and Germany took advantage and, of the generosity and you know uh, 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 um, do uh, uh, terrorist attacks um, you see that the uh, security uh, uh, organizations of the Germans are absolutely incapable of dealing with the situation yeah. you have the, the person who, who, who did the, uh, the terrorist attack in Berlin last December at the Christmas market mm -hmm. he had 12 different identities he, he registered in 12 different identities in different places in Germany and he received for each identity social welfare help right f from from the country so the how, how do you go about um, dealing with this this you know uh, stain in German history how do you awaken the nation to something in their past and first of all you know you really have to talk about things Mm -hmm. And uh, when I say really talk about things, I, I mean serious discussion, because I think that the Germans have a lot to learn from what happened to them. And if they don't do it, it will repeat itself this way or another. Right. We have talked about this problematic of being patriotic and nationalistic and whatever. If you do not understand what happened to you during and well before the Nazi time, uh, the risk is that... Um, you would not be able to see the difference between being a patriot and being nationalistic. You won't be able but, to prevent the next time, maybe. But maybe they, maybe the certain hope has been lost because in the sense that the Jews aren't there anymore. And what you pointed out about the African-American community in the United States, when you, when you are... But you have Muslims. 
so it's a different community. It's a different community, but the treatment is exactly the same. Yeah, but I, can you expect the masses to make a correlation? You know what I mean? What, what... I, I, it's not only that I expect them to make uh, the correlation. You see that ever since uh, this uh, wave of uh, refugees arrived in Germany, mm-hmm. it's true that we have a lot of violence coming from the so-called refugees and uh, immigrants. But it's also true that you have a huge wave of violence against Uh, innocent uh, refugees and innocent uh, immigrants. Uh, you have dozens and hundreds of attacks. Thank God uh, the numbers are not uh, of, of the persons who, I mean, most of, most of the damages are uh, centers uh, that are being burned down uh, and people that are being uh, wounded. We didn't have, as far as I remember, we didn't have any case of, uh, of uh, uh, death among uh, the refugees. But you had very shortly before the wave started a uh, neo-Nazi underground movement, a small one, mm-hmm. the NSU, that uh, for years killed Turks. And the authorities were sure that it has absolutely nothing to do with racist acts, that it's, um, you know, like... Um, well, you it said, can you be. even mentioned that some of them were complicit underworld, in covering it up. Uh, underworld criminal uh, activities. Yeah. And they went to the families and they, they said to the families of the victims, well, you know, it's the... Um, if, if your relatives wouldn't be involved in in uh, in criminal acts, this would not have happened. They didn't even think that it might be, you know, in Germany, there is a certain history. How, how, how do we get there? Mm-hmm. And we get there only when you deny your own past. Yeah. But I want to ask you that, you know, apropos uh, the dangers, um... You know, we live here in the Middle East. You were born in Haifa, the city of three religions. We know what it is. At least. At least three. Uh, we know what it yeah, is to live with Muslims, with Arabs. Their culture is assimilated with our culture. And we know, we know them, and we know what it's like. However, when I think about the German family in this East German little city... One morning, uh, like two Syrian uh, families with five children each come to their building with the music and the food scents, etc., etc., etc. Does such a, a building, the Germans in that building, can they, uh, can they absorb this, ger- the, the average German? They don't. They don't. And, and following this, do you see an option, if they don't, do you see an option that in the future... And, and uh, a right-wing uh, government uh, could maybe uh, take all the Muslims in Germany, put them in camps, and deport them. Uh, do you see such an option? We see what's happening. Or worse. In, or worse. We see what, what's happening in Hungary. This is exactly what they're doing. So are, do you think they're capable? Because technically they're capable of doing it because they did it already. You know what I'm, the, I'm the, the only the only thing that I can tell you is that I um, you know history teaches us teaches us and shows us that yes. we all the things that we cannot imagine have happened yes so it would be very uh, presumptuous pre- pre- presumptuous uh, from my side to come up now with an answer saying oh it will not happen again right I want to believe that it will not happen again we all do Um, but we, we, we look at what's happening uh, some dozens of kilometers away from here and we see that humanity hasn't learned anything from, from the history. Quite on the contrary, yeah. it, it repeats. Uh, uh, That's what history. I'm asking. Because history repeats itself. Because I do not know. The clash of cultures I do not, is... I, I do not know. I, I, can't, I can't give you an answer. Um, I, uh, I, I, you live I amongst hope. them. I hope that the Europeans would wake up at a certain point and start working on two things. First of all, real integration of the immigrants. And integration doesn't necessarily mean assimilation, but uh, it means that those coming to you in order to live in your country would accept your values and would not try 
to impose their values on yourself or on you mm-hmm. because if they want to live according to their values they shouldn't do it in Europe they should do it in in their own country well and, if they don't and and they they have failed and if they don't if they don't we are dealing with a situation of a uh, cultural uh, occupation and I really hope that the Europeans would wake up and they they start to wake up um, but I um, Um, I, I um, yeah this so is let, this is it let's talk about solutions again because you speak of integration but and you said talk talking we you know the Germans really need to get get talking about this subject but, yeah well this and is I think the problem that they have with themselves yeah but I think that to- I mean talking is and what you know, we have in Germany is the fact that they because they haven't really dealt with their past they're afraid to do certain things and that are extremely necessary in order to preserve mm-hmm. their, the, their, their image their, of themselves. Their, not the image. The image is not important to preserve themselves, to preserve yeah. the culture. And once you do not, once you're afraid to come up and say something because it might be racist or it might be Islamophobic or it might be anti-Semitic, it just, it, it's, it, it proves that you, you don't know where are the lines. Because if you, you come up and say, excuse me, I do not want a Sharia police in Germany, it doesn't mean that you are Islamophobic. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that you're racist, and it doesn't mean that you're uh, anti-Semitic. Yeah. It means very simply that you have a certain perception of freedom, and you think that uh, Sharia police is the contradiction, the total contradiction of your perception of freedom, uh-huh. and therefore it has absolutely nothing to do in your own country. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, this is um, the, the, the healthy common sense that the Germans, but also many other Europeans because of the uh, um, colonialist past that they had, have absolutely lost. And, Amer- and some Americans also. We and all some Americans too. South Park. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, these, 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 uh, I consider the politically correctness to be the biggest disease of, 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 uh, of mankind in, in the beginning of the 21st century. The, f- the, the fact that you cannot... talk about things you cannot mention certain things because you're immediately being uh, uh, stamped as a uh, racist or or radical or whatever has uh, has brought us uh, us to the situation that we are in right that fake news are are, 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 are all over the place that certain politicians are are, are spreading uh, you know uh, very dangerous uh, ideas I'm not yeah. talking about well I think there are extremes to both ends because on one hand you absolutely don't, you don't want people to not feel like they can talk about anything and then everything becomes a taboo and it just festers absolutely but on the other hand you you know when people talk too much sometimes they incite violence and hatred and that that becomes a problem and I think it the The, the issue is finding the balance but how do you get the Germans to talk is my ultimate question how do you get them and and we spoke about and you need a leader spoke about education you need a leadership and I think uh-huh. that in this case Angela Merkel you know when when I, I went through all the things that she has uh, said uh, in recent years from even from the days when before she became Chancellor and Um, you see that she has an understanding of what should be done mm-hmm. and how Germany and Ger- the Germans uh, should uh, cope with their past. And she sees that it was not done. And yet she's in power 15 years and you say it's... The- Almost 12, not yet. Okay. Um, and you say she, it's not... She, she, she says the right things and as far as I know, Uh, in different domains she all she's also very active in promoting certain policies that would have a long-term influence however you cannot do this work by yourself you need others to be there with you mm-hmm. does she have a supportive coalition in government? unfortunately not even in her own party I'm not so sure that there are so many Mm-hmm. that are that they that have this conviction of what should be done moreover you said in interviews that you fear from the day after Merkel yeah definitely I fear um, that if she would lose the elections I mean she, at a certain point she would when are the elections go. the elections are September uh, September 24th of September um, if she loses this one um, 
um, and the uh, the left uh, takes over uh, in a situation where the social democrat the democrats might uh, form a government with the radical left, the former communist uh, left, for the first time ever since the uh, Berlin uh, Wall fell. Um, we we might first of all, I'm I'm almost certain that. Um, the relations with the special relations with Israel would suffer a lot because the left has done a lot in order to normalize the relations between both countries, meaning to make them from singular to normal relations, downgrading them and not upgrading them. Um, and uh, if you have the um, the linker, the uh, radical left in the government, you know. Um, the chapter of East Germany, which I'm talking uh, quite a lot about in my new book. Because um, she's from there. Because she, she was born in West Germany, but then her father took his family to, uh, to the communist East. Uh, and this is where she lived 35 years of her life till the uh, wall fell. Um, this story is a um, unknown chapter for many of us. East Germany has been the most anti-Israeli country in the Eastern Bloc. Um, East Germany has developed the anti-Semitic, anti-Israelism. East Germany has perfected the Israelization of anti-Semitism, by yes. the way, using Jews, communist Jews. And they have supported the Palestinians and the PLO and the worst enemies of uh, Israel in the Arab and Muslim worlds in an unbelievable way, including giving the, giving the money that they have refused to give to the victims of the Nazis. Right. East Germany hasn't paid even one cent to the victims of the, the Jewish victims of the Nazis. Yeah, and also... Even one cent. Right. And nobody speaks about it. There is a whole lot of money that Germany owes the Jewish people and nobody speaks about it. I was just in Berlin and this time I went to, I, I did a Stasi themed uh, visit. So I went to the Stasi museum and to the Stasi prison and in the prison it's a must and they give a two hour tour and I was amazed to discover two key points. First, the Stasi who um, uh, who came just after the war and recruited Lots of them were Nazis, and they uh, actually used techniques of torture on the victims of the communist uh, regime, the new communist regime. They used Nazi uh, uh, procedures of torture, and the, their techniques uh, lived through all the years of uh, East Germany, and um, many of the tens of thousands of uh, torturers who committed crimes retired and up until today, Germany and Merkel and the taxpayer uh, pay pensions to tens of thousands of uh, East German prison uh, operators, East, Stasi operators. East and West. East and West. Yes, Germans, but the yeah. East Germans uh, tortured oh. horrendous tortures. Oh. And they are war criminals who tortured and murdered hundreds of thousands of people. And, this, and they this are paid the highest pensions because uh, the, the salaries in the first place were high to seduce them to come. They pay So the Germans pay huge amounts yeah. of, and no persecution whatsoever on them. And, 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 and this whole chapter, you know, they, they didn't work. They, we had 12 years of Nazi Germany and then the Nazi party was, uh, was uh, taken out of, uh, was um, uh, taken out of law. And uh, you couldn't do any Nazi activities. You had 40 years of communist uh, regime, dictatorship, anti-Israeli, anti-Semitic, whatever. Anti-humane. And, 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 uh, and they, they, they still exist. It's not out of uh, law. You know, the, their party, the, the, the regime party, is part of the Die Linke. And this is something that um, people don't talk about. Right. And if they get into the government uh, after the coming election or after the uh, the, the next election in, in four years, uh, it's going to be horrific 
when you think about the fact that th these people are going to sit in, in, in government and deal with issues uh, that uh, have to do with, uh, with Israel's security or whatever. I was just... <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it's a bit bleak. <laughs> it's the, yeah, the, because uh, we don't we we you know that the germans should speak about certain things we also have to speak about things yeah. and i i i what really uh, makes me worried is the fact that we are not we are losing we are losing our memory but you know that also in the book we didn't speak about the neo-nazis but they also thrive in their little nests Uh, in different cities and uh, and so we have the neo-nazis we have the communists we have uh, anti-israelis but uh, you know we sit here in beautiful Tel Aviv one of the most beautiful and amazing cities uh, in, in Tel Aviv is not beautiful it's charming <laughs> okay well we'll discuss it later but my point is you know what maybe our approach should be let them have a Nazis and communists and 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 what no, do we care no, what do no, we no, care no. we all, have Israel we live two here things, two things so First let of them all, with all your respect with all your respect um, kill each the, other um, the Germans um, um, and I say it without any cynicism or uh, any emotional uh, manipulation they owe us a lot because they have assassinated uh, a third of our nation And they have um, they have robbed they have robbed our nation and the sums of money that they have uh, paid us It's a fraction uh, of a fraction are a fraction of a fraction I, I was sitting the, yesterday with uh, with a person who is dealing with it it's uh, not even a fifth you know and they keep on saying oh we've paid enough enough is enough the line you speak in the book about the line yeah, there yeah, yeah, the Schlussstrich Um, and um, and we if we honor ourselves if we have some self-esteem we cannot from our side come and say it's gone we are not interested in what has happened let them deal with themselves etc etc because sooner or later and it already happens now they would be come to us and try to educate us again and rewrite our history and interfere in our inter internal affairs and tell us what we have to do regarding our security and regarding the Palestinian issue and stuff like that and with you know this is now this is the point where I'm getting very personal with yes. all your respect I do not want any German to say, anything about how we have to survive in the Middle East because they do not know what's going on here. They have their own interests with the Arab world. So I'm very suspicious about what they are telling us. And there is one thing that they should not forget and we should not forget. They have caused our nation, our people, a horrific catastrophe. And we cannot allow them to participate in any other catastrophe. So as far as I'm concerned, the Germans have absolutely no right to come to us and to tell us anything about how we should survive in the Middle East. And I'm, I'm, I'm terrified to see all these Israelis running to Berlin telling the Germans, oh, please save us from ourselves. How can people be so short-sighted? Not only short-sighted, it has to do with self-esteem. If you do not know, if you do not respect yourself, how can you expect others to respect you? Mm -hmm. And this is exactly what we see. This is a Middle Eastern uh, concept. But no, the Middle Eastern concept is a concept of self-respect. Exactly. That's the what I'm Arabs saying. The Arabs respect themselves and they want others. And, and uh, I, I think that this is something that uh, it, it's normal. It's normal. The Jews during 2,000 years of diaspora got used to the fact that they are very much dependent on the wishes of the goyim, of the others, of the, yes. the parits, of the, the, the ruler, etc., etc. And we are not getting ourselves liberated. I mean, Passover is coming soon. We're still in this slave mentality of Egypt. State of mind. We yeah. have to wake Which up. Which maybe got us annihilated in the first place. Absolutely. But you live there today. 
Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And w- so, what keeps you there? What keeps me there? First of all, my personal life. Mm-hmm. I uh, have a very um, um, lovely partner that uh, has a great job there, and <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> and um, and uh, he would not find that easily a job here in Israel. So, I, you know, partnership is a compromise. Um, I think that uh, hadn't we not hadn't we've been together, I, I don't think that I would have punished myself in staying that really? long in Germany. Yeah. It feels really? like a punishment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's not easy. You know, there, there is this, um, um, the, um, the uh, Jewish-German um, uh, prosecutor, uh, Fritz Bauer. Yeah, there's a movie. Uh, there are some now. movies about him. You know, the guy who actually found uh, Adolf Eichmann and uh, because the Germans didn't want to do anything with it, he, he passed the information to the, to Mossad, the Mossad. And the Mossad. There's a great movie, guys. Uh, free, uh, it's just look, Fritz Bauer from 2015. There is the, uh, uh, f- um, the, the Enemy of the State yeah. um, and there is another film, uh, two Fiction Germ- one from 2015. Yeah. Fiction film. Dokudrama, yeah. um, uh, I would call it. And, uh, and he kept on saying that every time he leaves his home, he feels himself in an enemy uh, territory. Yeah. He, he, was was, a German he was a German Jew. Jew. And he was an assimilated German Jew. Yeah. And, who remained uh, in Germany after the war. Who came back to Germany from uh, Sweden after the mm-hmm. war and... Uh, you know went through uh, and um, so you when, when, I, when i when i when i heard him say that in the film i said mm-hmm. god sometimes this is exactly how i feel because you know it's uh, it's extremely difficult to live in germany today and to stand up to your uh, israelism um to your uh, patriotic israelism um you If you want to be accepted by the Germans, you have to um, speak badly about Israel, and I, I'm incapable of doing it. I mean, it's not that I don't have, um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not happy about everything that is happening here. Which leads me, if we're speaking personal, is it safe to assume, growing up in Haifa, uh, Ashkenazi family, is it safe to assume your parents didn't vote for Begin? Right, you come. Oh, no, no, no. You my come family, from a left. No, or, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. They did wrong. vote for Begin. My family, my mother's family, was a revisionist. Okay. As they okay. It, okay. And they were, um, they were uh, active in the Herut and uh, the liberal uh, wing of uh, Likud, and we were extremely happy in 1977 when Begin finally made Israel a democracy as it should have been. Um, and uh, I was myself active. Uh, so you in, always in grew in this. Uh, right-wing quote-unquote which uh, was a very a very uh, particular experience because as you know Haifa is a socialist exactly this is city. why I, I assume and one of the, the 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 great memories that I have is during the campaign in 1981 Menachem Begin comes to Haifa and <laughs> he stands there in 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 Hadar the greatest and, speech giver a, a, of, absolutely of and he said and Haifa the red Haifa <laughs> will become blue and white blue and white blue and white and i, and I you know i, I even get excited when yeah. i i remember that he he was he was he was an amazing he was an amazing orator person uh, not only a orator i think that people try to make him small when they say that he, he was definitely a great orator but he, he was a true democrat and he was somebody with vision and he was a proud jew And uh, all this go- comes together. And you know, I'm, I'm a little bit, um, I'm a little bit uh, surprised to see all this begging nostalgia nowadays coming mainly from the left. All those people saying, oh, begging was something great. Uh, we all wish that Netanyahu was begging. I remember how aggressively they have tortured begging at the time. They have accused him of every possible bad thing. I mean they they could not stand the fact that he that he that he has stolen the country from them. Yeah. And we really have to put things into proportions when we see how how terribly Benjamin Netanyahu uh, is being dealt with today. I'm not saying that he is a saint. I'm not saying that he is an angel. I would have loved to see much more Angela Merkel in Benjamin Netanyahu. Decision-making, you mean? Not decision-making. Um, no, it doesn't. But they both 
act very similar very similar yes, same interviews that you find similarities a lot of similarities in the way that they compromise and they they navigate etc etc but um angela merkel is very modest mm-hmm. and nobody would even think about the fact that she would be able to get cigars or champagne from any of her friends because she's so down to earth And this is something that, uh, with all due respect to uh, Netanyahu, and I think that he was, uh, history will show us that he was a much greater leader than what people think nowadays. Um, I think that he, he should have been much more careful in all these dealings with uh, bring me this and give me that and uh, don't pay when I leave the restaurant. It's, it's a pity, I mean, such... Yeah, and that uh, will there be an English translation to the new book about Merkel eventually I, I hope so okay so we'll keep you guys updated um, but in the meantime again Germany at odds available in English and Amazon Kindle um, this was enlightening it was a pleasure thank you thank Such you very pleasure. much yeah. and we are on iTunes if you have an iPhone the, just search two nice Jewish boys and subscribe we're also online www.2njb.com and Eldad has a Facebook page uh, if you read Hebrew he also posts in English from time to time and uh, from German and, and also in Arabic and also in French amazing it depends on so, my mood so hopefully you know one of those languages <laughs> I know all five <laughs> no, no not you our listeners oh yeah <laughs> um, so that was it good luck with everything and and keep on writing and and given what you do and yes. talking and talking <laughs> thank you thank you much. so much thank you bye